Hey, come on, good morning, Go Church family. How you feel today? Feel good? You look fantastic looking around the room. It is a joy to see everybody today. For those of you in this room, you're at our South Metro Atlanta campus, our broadcast campus. And each of our gatherings, we have the honor to live stream to our West Side Atlanta campus. They meet on the amazing campus of City of Refuge on the west side of Atlanta. And they are electric at that campus, so we greet all of you. And then in Montgomery County, Maryland, Germantown, Maryland more specifically, we say good morning to that dynamic location, of course. Everybody watching online, we greet all of you today. So whatever campus you're a part of, can we greet one another as a family of God? Come on, let's clap like it's the first time you've ever done it. Come on. Really good. And then uh, if you've been a part of Go Church for any period of time, or maybe today's your first day here, uh, we have this tradition before we get into the message where we pause to give honor to the men and women that have served and are serving in the military, and then of course to all of the brave first responders. So if that's you, whatever campus you're a part of, we only want to honor you, don't want to embarrass you, but we'd love to show you some love today. So if you are a veteran of the military, active duty, or you're a first responder, would you put your hand in the air just for a second here? And the church family, hold it up. Come on, can you just let each other know? God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you. Come on, keep clapping. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Westside Germantown as well. Love it, love it, love it. Ah, it's such a great day. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. So we can be what? Glad and rejoice in it. And today, I'm going to preach to you a message that I'm calling the power of an invitation. The power of an invitation. Typically at Go Church, we preach in what we call series. And so we'll take a particular topic and unpack that for multiple consecutive weeks. But occasionally, the Lord will drop uh, in my heart or on our teaching team their heart what we consider to be a standalone message. This is outside of the context of a series. It's an isolated message. And so I'd say three or four weeks back, the Lord gripped my heart on this idea of the power of an invitation. So I got with our team. We readjusted some things. And so I want to share with you today uh, this idea that the Holy Spirit put in my heart. I believe it's going to be impactful for you. It will be for me a little bit of a, of a challenge, a good challenge. Um, if you're here today and you are in the faith, this is a message that is really going to challenge you to go outside of the four walls and leverage the power of an invitation. But if you're here today and maybe you're uh, kind of a seeker or skeptical in your faith, then I'm going to give you an invitation. I'm going to give you an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And for those of you that have already done that, you can testify by saying a big amen. That's the greatest decision you can ever make. Come on, best decision you can ever make. So at all of our campuses, there's a message note card that's available in a seat near you. Uh, we're a note-taking church. It's part of our culture here. So maybe you can access that. Or if you've got a journal or your smartphone, just always encourage you, if you're going to use your smartphone to take notes, flip it on Do Not Disturb or Airplane Mode so that you don't get distracted. Let's pray together. And then let's jump into this conversation today on the idea of the power of an invitation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I like to set our conversation with about 10 seconds of just uh, reflection and meditation, if you will, concentration. We've had a busy week. We're about to walk into a busy week. So let's kind of redeem the time. We've got about 40 minutes here together. So let's take a few minutes, kind of reset our focus Invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I'm inviting him to speak to me and through me. 
After about 10 seconds, I'll offer a prayer, okay? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we honor you today and we give you high praise and adoration because there is none like you. And so our reason for gathering together today, while some of it might be self-centered, not negatively, but there are things that we need, ultimately we gather together today to honor you and to give you thanks and to give you praise. Lord, you put this message in my heart and through preparation and study and fasting, Lord, uh, I believe that it's a right now word, but I need your anointing. You didn't call me to be just a motivational speaker, although I want people to be motivated when I speak. You call me to be a preacher of the gospel. And so with that responsibility, I need uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Would you help me with clarity of thought, mind, and speech? May the cross of Jesus go before me. Lord, I don't want to be seen. I want you to be seen through me. I want you to get the glory today and you to get the honor. And then would you challenge us in a good way today? Challenge us, speak to us, and may we leave different than how we walked in. Thank you for every person that's in attendance today at all of our campuses. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them for their obedience and their willingness to be in the house of God today. And I pray that you would speak a message to them directly. And we give you thanks for that. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the whole church said amen and amen. Of all the groups of people we clap for, none better than Jesus himself. Can we honor him today? Come on, church. Oh, come on. You can do better. Oh, not Jesus here. The power of an invitation. Uh, at the risk of sounding, you know, bigger or better than I am, there have been a few key moments in my life where I have been invited to some of the most ridiculous opportunities ever. Uh, how someone like me could be invited to certain opportunities, platforms, events, and, 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 only by the favor of God, because uh, it certainly ain't because of my good looks. Come on, somebody. That ain't going to happen. A couple, uh, couple of invitations that I've received that I'll never forget uh, would be a few years ago, I had the chance to uh, lead the chapel service, pregame chapel service for the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, standing in that room with guys that, in physique, we looked very, very similar, um, <laughs> sharing with them the gospel of Jesus, it was just a, an overwhelming opportunity. And I had told the team that in the NFL, it's a very cutthroat, so I went to Philly to lead the devotion. And I had told the team that in the NFL, it's a very cutthroat business, a devotion. And I had told the team that in the NFL, it's a very cutthroat business. It's all about, you know, uh, success and accomplishment and achievement. And if you're not doing well, then you don't make the team or you don't make the active roster. But I talked about that in the kingdom of God, when it comes to God, it's not about what we do, it's about who we are. And I... I thought you'd say amen to that. I don't know. I just kind of felt like it was a good place to say amen. And I remember telling them, I was like, guys, for example, you could go to the Super Bowl this year and lose, and God would still love you. And wouldn't you know it, <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons would go to the Super Bowl that year and lose. Two truths about that. Number one, God still loved them. And the second truth is I've never been invited back. So... <laughs> <laughs> And then last year, uh, almost one year ago exactly, uh, October the 29th of 2021, 
our Atlanta Braves got to go to the World Series. Come on, any Braves fans? And I guess rumor got out about my chapel service for the Falcons, so I didn't get to speak to the team, but I did get to go to game number three. Game three of the World Series, an unbelievable opportunity to go and to celebrate. Uh, one of my, my buddies here, good friends, Kevin, invited me to go. And uh, at that point, a year ago, I didn't really know Kevin that well. And he sent me a message on Instagram and he said, hey, I know you don't know me, but my family goes to the church. Would you like to go to the World Series? I showed Kimberly and I said, look, this is a big risk because this guy could be a murderer for all we know. <laughs> But I'm willing to put my life on the line. Come on, somebody, for Game 3 of the World Series. And the Braves not only won Game 3, 2-0, to zero, come on, somebody, but they went on to be world champions. Can I get a good amen for that? I could go on and on and on. But at the end of the day, invitations come in all shapes and sizes. An invitation can be informal or it can be formal. It can be as informal as someone shooting you a text message to say, hey, do you want to hang out this weekend, maybe go to a movie or grab something to eat? Or it can be as formal as a man getting down on one knee and inviting his girlfriend to become his fiance and wife. It can be as formal as you getting a save the date or an invitation to that wedding, you know, written with calligraphy and class. Or some invitations can be unwarranted. And here's what I mean by that. Have you ever ended up somewhere that you weren't invited to, but you went anyway? Come on, can I get a witness from somebody? Or have you ever been somewhere that you didn't invite somebody and they showed up and you're like, now how did you show up? Because I know I didn't invite you. They can be formal, they can be informal, they can be unwarranted. But anytime an invitation happens, here's what it means. It means that you're wanted. An invitation means that you're welcome. An invite, whether informal or formal, means that you are included. And we all know what it feels like to be wanted, to be welcomed, to be included. And we also know what it feels like to be uninvited, to be left out. Watching on Instagram, your friends, or even worse, your family. Come on now, having a vacation that they didn't invite you on. We know what it feels like to be unwanted or not welcomed or not included. And when I think about this great invitation and the power of an invitation, and I'm not just saying this to say it, I really mean it. When you look over the, the span of history, there was not a greater inviter than Jesus. Jesus was the greatest inviter of all time. He was the master at inviting people out of their old life and into a new life. Can I get an amen? He was the master at inviting people out of the ordinary and into the extraordinary. And he was really, really good at going after the people that nobody else wanted to be around, that nobody else wanted to hang out with. Jesus had this ability to see people, to love people in a way that you and I typically don't see and love people. Jesus would always go after the, the outcasts and the misfits and kind of that, that B team, that JV squad, those that were on the outside, Jesus was very, very good at seeing them, looking for them, going after them, and inviting them, not for what they are, but inviting them into something to create within them who they could be. I could give you hours of biblical references and examples here, but let me give you a three or four of them. If you look in Mark chapter number 10, verse 21, 
you'll see uh, that this rich young man comes to Jesus. And he begins to ask Jesus about eternal life and about heaven. And I love what one of the first words is, Jesus looking at him. Again, Jesus had this ability to look at people in a way that most people don't look at people. And Jesus looking at him, loved him, and said, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, give to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven, then come, and on the count of three, everybody, every campus shout, follow me, one, two, three, follow me. Luke 19, this is a story about Zacchaeus, a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to. Some of y'all grew up in Sunday school, come on now. Zacchaeus was a vertically challenged individual. He heard that Jesus was coming by the town. He wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus, but because of his, his height challenges, the restrictions there, he couldn't see over the much taller heads of people. So when Jesus was coming by, Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree. And watch, one translation says that when Jesus came to the spot, it's almost like Zacchaeus had been set up, that when Jesus came to the spot, what did he do? He looked up. He looked up at Zacchaeus and he gave him this invitation. He said, come down because I'm going to be a guest in your home today. Verse number six. And Zacchaeus accepted the invite, climbed down from the tree, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and in great joy. But there were people who were upset. They were displeased. And this is what they grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious Sinner. See, Jesus saw people in a way that most people don't see people. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And so the people thought, well, since he worked for the IRS, he must be evil. And some of y'all still think that. Come on now. Which, by the way, you can't spell theirs like their money without the IRS. Come on, somebody. You'll get that joke later. I write all of my own jokes, by the way. But he invited this tax collector into a relationship and Zacchaeus not only repented of his sin but he paid back multiple times more from what he stole to the people he paid them back in full and then some John chapter 1 verse number 43 these aren't uh, chronological so it's not the next day after Zacchaeus but in this story the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee and look what he did he found Philip do you see the theme here he found Philip and he gave him an invitation and the invitation was, follow me. Jesus had a way of looking for people and seeing people and finding people. Let me give you one more example here. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers. He sees two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew. And they were casting their net into the sea because they were fishermen. And Jesus said, watch this in verse number 19, he said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, this verse right here, specifically verse number 19, is a purpose and a promise. It's a promise and a purpose. It's both descriptive and prescriptive, and I'll explain that in a moment. He makes a, a, a purpose statement, if you will. He says, follow me, and I will what? I'll make you nicer. I'll make you richer, I'll make you better. None of those things are bad, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you 
fishers of men. It's descriptive in the sense it's describing what our responsibility is as Christians, that we are to lay down our net, lay down our will, lay down our way, lay down our agenda, and follow hard after Christ Jesus. It describes that responsibility, but it's prescriptive in its nature because it says, watch, you're not called just to follow Jesus, but you're also called to fish for people. I need 100 people to help me preach today. Come on. And I think in so many Christian circles, we are so consumed with the idea of following Jesus that we forget that we're also called to fish for people, to go find lost people, to go find broken people, to go find hurting people, to go find people that have no relationship with Jesus, no hope with Jesus. Have you ever thought in your own relationship with God that you have hope? And yet the rest of the world that doesn't know him, they have no hope, but you have the answer? Uh, let's go back two plus years ago when the pandemic hit the world. If, if you had the cure to COVID-19 or if you had the cure to cancer, why would you hold on to that? Why would you hide that? Why would you keep that to yourself? And yet we have something greater than just an antibiotic. We have Jesus, the Son of God, and Jesus is the answer for everything. Why would we not, why would we not want to tell the whole world about Jesus? Why would we not want to go fish for people and tell them, lay down your net. I found the answer. His name is Jesus. Come on, can you say amen right there? Now, I don't know if you like to fish, like actual fishing. By a show of fans, every campus has anybody ever went fishing before? Come on, you ever gone like actual fishing on a boat, on a lake, on a bank, with a pole, with a net? I mean, most of us have. My son right now, Lakeland, he's uh, 12, almost 13. That boy is wildly obsessed with fishing right now. I mean, he's got, he's got more bait and tackle than anything that we have in our home. Uh, he, he loves to go to the, the lake and some of the guys in the church are very kind to, to take him out on different fishing experiences. And I, I wouldn't say that I love to fish, uh, but it's a thing. <laughs> Can I get an amen from somebody? Like, it's a thing. It's a thing. But man, Lake, my son, he loves it. He loves it. So uh, Lakeland and, and, and London, my daughter, Kimberly, my wife, and her mom and dad went on vacation this summer. And so leading up to the vacation, I told Kimberly, I said, I'm going to surprise Lakeland and my father-in-law with a charter boat fishing trip. I'm going to pay for it. And I paid a lot of money to privately charter a boat with nobody else on it but the captain, me, Lakeland, and my father-in-law. And we wake up early on vacation. And they're like, what are you getting us up for? I'm like, I'm taking you fishing. And I mean, they were so excited. So we left before the sun came up. We drive like 45 minutes to this marina. We meet this guy. He takes my money. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we get on his boat, man, and we just hit the open waters because we had one goal that day, and that was to catch the big one. We're going to catch that big fish. Now, I'm not an avid fisherman, uh, but there were a few thoughts from that experience that I thought I'd share with you today. When you think about the idea that we're not called just to follow, but we're called to fish, some people are really good at fishing. But anybody can do it. Now, when I look around this room, I know some of you, you are, you're like anglers, man. Like you, you really know how to fish. And every time you go fishing, you catch something and you know where all the big fish are. But anybody can fish. My seven-year-old daughter, London, can fish. 
She may not be as good at fishing as you are, but anybody can do it. And the same is with your faith and evangelizing the gospel and sharing your faith. Like some people are really, really good at telling the lost world about Jesus. They can articulate it in a way, and they're always winning people to the Lord. I think about Pastor David Livingstone, our guest from India, who shared on First Wednesday here at our South Metro Atlanta campus. He has a heart of an evangelist. Everywhere the guy goes, people are just coming to know Jesus. He'll go into communities and villages in India. He'll preach the gospel, and hundreds and thousands of people in his ministry have said yes to Jesus. He's really, really good at evangelizing the gospel, but anybody can do it. Here's the other thing about fishing that I've learned is that good fishermen, they know their fish. I mean, they, they know. Watch this. When we got on the boat, the guy said, so what do you want to catch? And right then I knew, we're in trouble. I said, I don't know. I was thinking maybe um, a fish or two. And he's like, no, 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 like what specific type of fish? I was like, the ones you can eat? You know, like, can, I, can I eat them? And he's like, all right. And then he started talking about all the different types of fish and, and what kind of bait would be needed to catch this fish versus that fish. And he knew exactly the, 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 the behavior and the habits of these fish. And he was telling us, like, we could, if we go out into this depth of water, you get these kind of fish. But if we stay close to the bay, you get these kind of fish. I mean, they know their fish. They know what they eat. They know their habits. They know the waters they live in. Uh, they know what, what, what all their different ins and outs are. And, and so should be true about the people that we're trying to evangelize to. We need to know them. Now, I'm not standing up here saying that I am fully against street corner preaching. You know, the people that will stand on the street corner and or maybe right outside of a big uh, sporting event, and they'll yell at you, turn or burn. You, you know what I'm talking about? Now watch this. I've, I've, Lakeland and I, we've gone to enough sporting events. We've had the conversation, does that work? I guess in some arenas, because my wife's grandfather, Pastor Allen's dad, growing up in Trinidad, was saved because of a street evangelist. But I don't know if today, in 2022, that's the the best method of evangelizing the gospel. I think a better way is to get to know somebody, to build relational equity with somebody so that when you can share the truth, they receive it in a way because they know that you love them and you care for them. And then the third one, and all of you will understand this if you've ever been fishing. Man, fishing just requires patience. Here's what I learned on that unbelievably expensive fishing trip this summer. Sometimes the fish aren't biting. I'll show you a picture of all the fish that we caught that day. It was absolutely tremendous. <laughs> and catch a thing, man. Can anybody testify that that's your story too at some point? Uh, let's make this a little more serious for a moment. So you've been inviting your neighbor, but they still not come to church. You've been witnessing to your coworker but they've still not accepted Jesus. You've been praying for your spouse, your son, your daughter, grandson, granddaughter, family member to know the Lord, and they've not yet accepted him. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep witnessing. Keep inviting. What's so wild about this particular fishing trip is the moment that we got off the boat and we caught nothing. Nada. 
Zero. Zilch. And he took my money still without a discount. You know what we started talking about? Our next fishing trip. Just keep fishing. Don't quit. Don't give up. Listen, if if we can see the example of Jesus in anything, it's that Jesus came to finish the work of his father. And then through the Great Commission, he's empowered us with authority to finish the work of the Son. Now, Jesus reminds us in Luke 19 that the Son of Man came to what? Seek and save. On the count of three, everybody shout, seek and save. One, two, three. Seek and save. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. This is rhetorical, and this is where it gets a little challenging and even confrontational. How broken are you for lost people? How broken are you for the hurting world that's outside of the four walls of whatever campus that you're a part of today? Are we desperate to to seek after them? And, And now, of course, we can't save them, but we can offer them Jesus who can. I mean, at the end of the day, if if Jesus was about lost people, shouldn't we be about lost people too? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And since he was about lost people, man, we should be about lost people too. Went, again, rhetorical here, and I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just trying to create a thought for you. When's the last time you led someone to the Lord? When's the last time you were able to invite someone to church and they sat with you? Invited someone to a small group because they needed hope and Jesus is the answer. Or do we at times, and I'll put myself into this same conversation, we get very comfortable with our religious routine. And we get very comfortable with our own world as if this earth rotates on its axis for us. And we forget about the rest of the world that's broken and hurting and lost. We talked about this Wednesday night here at our first Wednesday gathering at our broadcast campus, how there are 8 billion people in the world. 8 billion people in the world. And how if we continue to pray, Jesus, come quickly, if Jesus answered that prayer, a lot of people would spend eternity separated from God. Now, I believe that Jesus is coming back. Amen? And that means that time is running out. Time is of the essence. You have been empowered. Once you say yes to Jesus, you've been empowered through the Great Commission. Matthew 18, Matthew 28, rather, verses 18, 19, and 20. One of five perspectives of the Great Commission. These are some of the last recorded words of Jesus before he ascends to heaven. And in the final words of Jesus before he goes to heaven. He doesn't talk about how you can live your blessed life now or your best life now. He doesn't talk about six ways to make your marriage healthy or seven ways to have financial security. He talks about evangelism. And he says, listen, all authority has been given unto me. Therefore, go, somebody shout go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything which I have commanded, and the promise is I'll be with you, Jesus says, to the ends of the earth. That word go is, is, if you don't know, this is where we get our name Go Church. Over 1,500 times in your Bible will you find go. Only 62 times will you find the word stay. Go, 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 go preach, go love. Go do, go be, go. 
It's the great commission, not the great suggestion. And it's called commission because we are co-laborers. We are co-workers. And the magnitude of the great commission is, is too, too large for us to accomplish it on our own. We need each other. We should be tag-teaming, evangelizing the gospel. We should be getting together over lunch and coffee, celebrating all the people that have said yes to Jesus in the last week. Sunday, Sunday gathering shouldn't be just about what the Lord is speaking to us, but a celebration of all that the Lord has done in us and through us, leading up to this day of celebration, of celebrating all the lost people that have come home, celebrating all the prodigal sons and prodigal daughters that have said yes to Christ, and they were lost and dying and on their way to hell. But Jesus stepped in. Let me be passionate for a moment. See people the way Jesus sees people. Love people the way that Jesus loves people. Instead of getting so frustrated in the traffic or frustrated at how long it takes for you to check out of Walmart, maybe that person just needs Jesus. Maybe they're a bad driver because they don't have the Holy Spirit. That's why I tried to make you laugh. It felt so tense, didn't it? See people the way Jesus sees people. Let me take you to a few verses here. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 15. The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart, verse 10, it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified, made right with God. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Skip to verse number 13. Watch this. For, let's read this together. Every campus on the count of three. One, two, three. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on. Say it again. And this time say it with a little bit of like passion. Ready? One, two, three. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is that not a beautiful verse? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then verse number 14 is a punch in the nose. But how? How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if, if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Do you see this? Verse 15, and, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? How will they ever declare Jesus is Lord and repent from their sin if you and I just decide to change our name to Stay Church? Listen, it is not somebody else's job. It's your job. It's my job. How? Here's the answer. You and me. Co-laborers in the co-mission. Working together, evangelizing the gospel. Now, go to verse number 15. Watch this. That is why the scriptures say, ready? One, two, three. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Some of y'all got nasty feet. <laughs> Cacked up, calloused up. Come on, somebody. Jacked up. Some of you men, this is the best part of the sermon you'll hear all day. Some of you men need a pedicure. Can I get an amen from some lady? Get them toes worked out. Come on in Jesus' name. Well, this is not talking about your actual stanky feet. It's talking about blessed are those that are willing to go 
and evangelize the gospel. Share the good news. Do you see this? Watch. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Be a bringer. Be a bringer. This, this word bringer, literally, you go to Webster's Dictionary or Google, and here's the definition. A person who brings something. Be a bringer. Be a bringer to your neighbors. Be a bringer to your coworkers. Be a bringer to your church. Don't just be a taker. Don't just be a consumer. Be a participator. Be a bringer of hope. Be a bringer of joy. Be a bringer of good news. Be a bringer of the Holy Spirit. Be a bringer of people as we gather together. This is your job. It's my job. We're in this together. Now, I think that every Christian has a desire to be a bringer. They all, they all want to share the gospel. They all want to tell about Jesus. Why? Because we share about things we love. So you go to your favorite restaurant, and what do you do after you have a meal there? You tell everybody about it because you love it. Uh, you go on your favorite vacation, and when you get back, you tell everybody about the vacation spot because you love it. So why aren't we telling people about Jesus if we love him? I'll tell you why. Two evangelism hang-ups. This is what I'll call it. There's probably more, but I think there's two reasons people don't evangelize the gospel. The two are this. We know ourselves and we know our imperfections. And then we're afraid that we won't have all the answers. Unpack this just for a moment here. Watch. We know ourselves and our imperfections. We don't want to tell anybody about Jesus because we know that, well, we're still messed up. We got our own issues. We got our own challenges. We're not batting a thousand in our marriage. We're not batting a thousand with our kids. And so at the risk of being hypocritical, I'd rather just not tell anybody. I'm a secret Christian because I don't have it all together. The enemy would love for you to think that. But what if I told you this? What if I told you, you're right, you're not perfect. Feel good yet? Okay, you're not perfect, but you are God's perfect person to evangelize the gospel to those people that God put in your world. Because maybe the very thing that you think disqualifies you is actually the very thing that qualifies you to have that conversation. Because those people may be walking through the very same thing that you yourself are walking through. So instead of disqualifying yourself because you don't have it all together, what if you leveraged that and you told those that you were witnessing to, hey, I'm messed up. My family is jacked up. We're like one more kid away from the Jerry Springer show. Come on, somebody. But I knew that I needed help. And I knew that I needed a savior. I knew that I couldn't rescue me. So while I'm a work in progress, I'm going to testify just about how good God is. Listen to me. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. Stop letting the devil talk you out of being a mouthpiece and an instrument for Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, the testimony of God is in you. And then the other hang-up is we're afraid we won't have all the answers. Listen to me. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to testify about the goodness of God. Well, I don't want to start a conversation because what if they start asking about creation or end times, eschatology, second coming? Like, I don't have all the answers. Neither do I. 
But in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, your Bible says this, another perspective of the Great Commission. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth, Samaria and the ends of the earth. So watch this. I want you to understand this. You are called to be a witness, not an attorney. Attorneys have to prove something. But witnesses have something to share. Y'all not going to help me preach. That's fine. I'll preach up here all by myself. I wore a tie and a coat today. I'm feeling really good. Watch. You're called to be a witness, not an attorney. You don't have to prove anything. Anytime that you share and people have these questions, just point them back to Jesus. Tell them, I don't have all the answers, but I do know what Jesus did in my life. 1 John 5.10, I referenced this verse a moment ago. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony of God in them. So watch this. Get over the hang-ups of evangelism. Here's three quick thoughts here whenever you're sharing your faith. Watch. What was my life like before Christ? Tell them. Church, man, J.C., I was on my way to hell. Lonely, broken, depressed. Never attempted suicide, but had a ton of suicidal thoughts. Nobody except my mama, y'all, believed in me. Living with some guys, didn't even know them well. Every weekend was another wild party. And at the end of every beer bottle was more depression, more emptiness, and more loneliness. But God saw me. Just like Philip, he found me. In my deepest, darkest moment, God's grace and mercy. And I realized just how much I needed him. That I had tried everything that the world had to offer. And all of those things were counterfeit to the real thing. Bad grammar, good preaching. But there ain't no thing like Jesus. Come on now. And everything that the world offers is counterfeit to the real thing. And I realized, like, I need him. And now, let me tell you how different my life is. I'm saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. God's hand is on my life. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. Come on now. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Right? And now all of a sudden, God has used my story and allowed me the opportunity to tell the whole world and to tell this beautiful church just how good the Lord is. Don't overcome. I don't have all the answers. I'm, I'm as much of a student and disciple of the Lord as you are. I don't know it all. But what I do know is that, man, I was broken, beat down, and just on my way to nowhere fast. And Jesus saved me. And he turned my whole life around. Just tell people about that. And that's, listen, and that's what I want this church to be, this ministry to be. Now, inviting people to church is not evangelism in itself. It's a part of it. But I love that when you have this experience with something good that you love, you can't help but tell everybody. So you go back to Philip. Philip had found the, the very person that Moses and the prophets had, had wrote about. 
And so he goes to tell his friend Nathaniel. Watch this. John 1, 45 and 46. Philip went to look for Nathaniel, and he told him, We have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is, somebody shout Jesus. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And watch verse 46. And Nathaniel said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And watch this. Philip doesn't get into a theological discussion about Nazareth. He doesn't get into history and dialect and, you know, exegetical, you know, dialogue and back and forth. He's like, hey, just come and see for yourself. I'm not going to get into all of that. What I am going to tell you to do is just come and see for yourself. I want Go Church to be a come and see for yourself kind of church. Like, let me tell you about the goodness of God. Let me tell you how lost I was before him, how desperate I became for him, how he changed my life, and God is moving in my church, and they're like, well, let me ask you all these questions. I don't don't know. But what I can tell you is, you got to come and see for yourself. Now, Go Church is in competition with no other church. God didn't call us to compete with other churches. God called us to complement other churches. But there ain't no church like Go Church. Come on, somebody. This is going on the YouTube, so I whispered that. Go Church is a special place. Last two Easter's ago, rather, we gave you a survey and said, hey, what makes Go Church so different, so unique? Why why should you tell people, come and see for yourself? And these were the responses you gave. I didn't make these up. You told us, this is what I love about my church. And we, we, we not only preach the Bible, but we live by it. Our church is spirit-filled, meaning we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe that there is power in the Holy Spirit, that God's God's still in the healing business and through His Spirit, that that people can still get delivered, still get healed. Can I get an amen from somebody? That there is no bondage too too much for the Holy Spirit, that there is no marriage or relationship too broken, that God can't, like we're spirit-filled. We believe that the same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. You said, the reason I love my church is because, man, it's just, it's it's authentic. It's loving. We're incredibly generous. And we are beautifully diverse. So what I'm giving you here is, as you become a bringer and you tell people, come and see for yourself, I'm giving you a stump speech. When people say, well, what's different about your church? It's not good preaching and good music. A lot of churches have good preaching and good music. It's we're Bible-believing, spirit-filled, authentic, loving, generous, and diverse. And watch this. One more verse. I'll show you a quick video. When you think about this world, watch. Matthew says it this way. The harvest is plentiful. Eight billion people in this world. And the majority of them don't know Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Watch this short, short video. I'm Matt. You know me from work, and we briefly talk every day by the coffee machine. As far as you know, my life is going fine, but reality is it's falling apart. I can barely make ends meet. I wish I knew what to do. I'm Julie. I run the gate for your community. You wave hi to me as you drive by after work, and I always wave back with a smile. I see the church sticker on the back of your car as you leave, and I just wish I could be a part of that. But my shyness has led me to a point of loneliness, and I just lose more hope every day. I'm Navik. I don't know much about you, but I do know that you're big into that church thing. 
and that you like your coffee order with light ice and no water. Most days I'm content, but sometimes I wonder what the purpose of life is. I wish I could ask if you knew the answer, but you seem so busy. I'm Brennan, your personal trainer. I'm sure you think I have it all together because of my fitness level, but I've made a lifestyle of chasing a perfect image to feel valuable. I never feel satisfied. I see how you walk around with an inner joy that you say comes from your God, and I just wish I could have that. I'm too proud to ask to go with you to church, but I just wish you would ask me. Jesus gives this parable of a great banquet as recorded in the Gospel of Luke. I want to read it to you as we close. Watch. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And when the time for the banquet came, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, why don't you come because everything is now set up and ready to go. But they all began to make excuses. The first said to him, well, I just bought a new house. I got a new field and I got to go out and, and see it, so please Excuse me from the invitation. Another one said, well, man, we just got, we got a new puppy. Got a new animal. And so I've got to make sure that I examine them and take care of them. So please excuse me. Another one says, well, I just got married to a wife. And so, so I can't attend. Verse 21. So the servant came and reported all of these things to his master. And the master became very angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city. Bring in the poor. Bring in the crippled. Bring in the blind. Bring in the lame. And the servant said to the master, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and yet there is still room. There's still a seat at the banquet table. Verse 23. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges, and compel people to come in that my house may be full. That my house may be filled. Now Go Church is a growing church. And a few weeks ago I led you on a three-week discussion called Don't Lose Your Faith. And the, the movement of deconstructionism in America. Churches across America are dying. And thanks be to God that's not Go Church. But at every campus, I don't want this to be awkward and I don't want it to be cheesy. But I want you to look around your room and I want you to recognize every single empty seat. Go ahead and look at them. Every single empty seat. Why? Compel them to come in. That seat is a soul. That seat is your son. That seat is your daughter. And listen to me, don't get this twisted. This isn't about mega church. This isn't about me bragging to my friends about how many people attended Go Church on a Sunday. This is about people lost in sin, dying and on their way to hell. But you became a bringer and you invited them in to say, hey, I don't know all the answers and I don't have it all together, but just come and see for yourself what God is doing. There are too many sons, daughters, grandsons and granddaughters, neighbors and coworkers, and yet we've got a seat at the table. A seat at the table. Once again, look around. Now, as you see that empty seat, pray over that loved one that you have. And begin to pray now. Come on, every campus. That mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, niece, nephew, that lost one, that one that doesn't know Jesus. And ask them, Lord, bring them in. And maybe they live in another state, another country. Just pray, God, let them go to church. 
Let them hear the gospel. Come on, pray for them. You got them, don't you? Compel the people to come in. This should be, look at me, standing room only. Standing room only. Now, I'm not Jesus, and you ought to thank God for that. But where are the people cutting a hole in the roof? Because there's no more seats in the room. Every person you see is your mission field. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So here here it is. I'm going to tell you exactly what we're doing. Next Sunday, we start at the movies. If you have a lost loved one, this is the greatest series to bring them to. This is the most evangelistic series that we do at Go Church. Jesus, in the Bible, taught in parables. Those were modern-day stories. And he would use real-life examples and stories known as parables to, to bring out a spiritual truth. Some theologians would say that if Jesus were alive today in the flesh walking the earth, he would use movies, modern-day stories, to present the gospel of Jesus. So that's what we're doing. Listen to me. There ain't nothing spiritual about the four movies that I'm going to show you. Nothing spiritual. But the gospel is intertwined in every single one of them. So we're going to use movies because people like movies. And so you've got to invite people on your way out at every campus today. You get to choose if you want to take some invite cards and invite you. And let me just tell you this. If you're not going to invite people, don't take these and throw them away. Let's steward with integrity. These were expensive. Can I get an amen from somebody? You can take these and you can pass them out. And next week, because all of these will be gone at every campus this Sunday, next week there will be even more. Compel people to come in. Now, I won't tell you every movie that we're doing in the series, but I will tell you this. It starts Sunday, next Sunday, October 16th, 16th, 23rd, 30th, and November 6th. November 6th is the fourth and final Sunday, and we're going to show Top Gun Maverick. Come on, somebody. How's that? And I might wear a flight suit. Who knows? I may come with a mustache. It's the greatest series for you to invite people to come in. Be a bringer. Let me give you one final thought here, and then I'll pray for you. So who are you going to invite? Who can you compel to come in? You got seven days till Sunday. Invite, 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 invite. Let's let this series be the greatest uh, evangelism tool that we've ever seen. How about this? Every campus, bow your head for a moment and let me pray this prayer. May we see more salvations in the next four weeks than we've seen all year combined. I need somebody to agree with me. I'm going to say it again. May we see more salvations over the next four Sundays at Go Church than we've seen all year combined. We call in people from the north, south, east, and west. Send us the hurting, the broken, the lost, the backslidden, the skeptics. Send us those who are far from you, but because of an invitation... Because of a simple invite, they said yes to the just come and see for yourself invite. There is great power in an invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. And if you're with me, can we give the Lord the best praise we've got? Come on.